All right. Um, hi, everyone. This is uh, going to be a bit of a different starting to the show with all the recent developments going on in the world regarding um, George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. Uh, obviously, there is some hockey news that we haven't been able to talk about with the season coming back. We'll get to it. It's just there is a more serious issue that we need to discuss quickly before we get into it. Now, I want to preface this conversation by saying Jordan nor I, we're not politicians. We're not politically inclined necessarily. Like uh, Jordan, I'll let you be, speak a bit more about your education and how you feel about talking about the matter. But I know for myself, I'm definitely not one that should be bragging about my education on this subject. I do not have a lot. I know and believe myself to have a good enough head on my shoulders to agree with everyone that this breakthrough theory that racism is bad um, and that what happened to George and what has happened to the black community throughout the years is absolutely atrocious and unbearable. It's something that needs to change. It's something that has to change. And it's something that we need to step up and make the change ourselves. Um, we won't spend too, too much time on this subject because again, we're not an encyclopedia on it. We, there isn't too, too much that I think we can add that hasn't already been said, but we just, we want to put our opinions out there and let everyone know that um, what happened is wrong. Black lives matter. And there needs to be a huge systematic change to how we deal with undoubtedly wrong. Jordan, I don't know if there's anything you want to add. Oh yeah, here, Keegs, you, you just repeat that because you just. Uh... Yeah, I got the uh, unstable connection there. Yeah, of yeah. course, right during the serious part of the podcast. Yeah, exactly. That. So yeah, if you just want to repeat like that last couple seconds of what you said there, and then I can uh, try to get into my thoughts too. Yeah, so I'll I'll just say um. Uh, clearly, we need to do a system overhaul on. Uh, what is seen as justice because what some people believe to be justice is clearly wrong and completely unethical and has no place in society a hundred years ago, let alone today. It's something that we need to change together. It's something that can only be changed together. And it's something that everyone needs to start working towards and striving towards. And I'll let you say your piece. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll start off my part by just um, prefacing it with, the way that you and I experience the world is drastically different from how um, members of the black community or the or, or people of color experience the world and how the world um, experiences them as well. Um, we're two, you know, upper middle class white kids growing yeah. up in Canada, so our interactions with law enforcement are and you know what, people of authority in general are wildly different from those of uh, the black community and people of color and other communities as well. But right now we're more so focusing on the, the black community. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I've been aware of that for a while. Um, I think there was probably a time where it's not necessarily that I, I didn't believe that 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 there was that difference in experience, but I just wasn't aware of it. It wasn't something that had been brought to my attention, but it's 
the last, I don't know, I'd say like eight or nine years, it, it's something that has been, um, that I've become more aware of. And I, I thought that I was pretty aware of it even up until a couple weeks ago. And yeah. with the George Floyd um, protests or not even necessarily just, just for George Floyd, but that's kind of the incident that sparked this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with the, the recent social climate, it has made me realize that my, my understanding or my knowledge is minuscule. You know, it, it's a drop of water in the ocean. Yeah. And I, I thought that I, I was fairly, you know, fairly knowledgeable. And I, I, that just isn't the case. Um, what I've seen online from videos of police brutality has been unreal. It's absolutely blown my mind, the kind of stuff that happens, um, the kind of things that uh, the black community and people of color have to have to face on a daily basis. Um, it, it's, it boggles my mind and it, it, you know, I'm almost 30 and I can't, I can't believe it's taken me this long to uh, like get this level of understanding and that's not even a full level of it. Um, yeah, like you said, a, a drop in an ocean. Yeah, it's uh, every day I'm learning something new, um, and that and you know you started off the podcast by saying that neither of us are experts on this, and and that's true. But we also have to acknowledge that it's up to us to learn more. It's up yes. to us to seek out that information, and not by going to like the handful of, of black people or people of color that we know and asking them to explain it to us. It's up to us to seek out the information on our own. Um, I've, I've been seeing tons of threads of um, pieces of literature or films or podcasts or music to look, to check out that will help in that re-education. And that, that's something that I'm going to have to uh, do on my own time in the coming days and weeks. Um, yeah. But uh yeah, I, I feel like I'm rambling, but I, I tried to organize my thoughts uh, before recording today, but I've, I've just had so many. Um, it, it's hard to pin down which, what is the most important thing out of all of the most important things to try to say. Um, but I, I think one thing that, that we should make really clear is that we want this podcast and the people that follow along, we want everybody to feel safe and included we want them to feel like they're part of our community and that they can come here and plug into this podcast no matter their skin color their ethnicity where they live whatever their gender identity it doesn't matter everybody we want you to feel like you can come here and be part of the conversation and be part of our community um and we love all of you and we want you to feel safe and welcome with us. Um, so that being said, if we ever say or do something that is out of line or, or makes you feel uncomfortable or uh, is offensive in any way, please call us out on it. We'll apologize and we'll change our behavior. Yeah. Because we that, are yeah, that, that's part of it. We want to be part of the solution. We're not going to be here um, 
you know, trying to defend abhorrent behavior um, or, or, you know, microaggression type behavior either. We, we want to learn. And in order to do that, we need to be called out when we make mistakes. And we probably will make mistakes. We're not perfect fiends. Yeah, exactly. Um, there are some mistakes that are obviously bigger than others, but yes. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I shouldn't call them mistakes because a lot of times those ones aren't a lot of bigger things aren't mistakes, but um, yeah. It's... Yeah. Um, part of what I, I've, part of what I've been trying to do over the last few days and weeks is, has just been trying to reflect on my privilege uh, due to my, you know, my race and my, um, you know, my, I don't know, upbringing or class or whatever. Yeah. Um, Your environment. Yeah, my environment. And it's, uh, it, yeah, I, I just keep going back to one story. I, I'll just do it briefly because I, I know we're almost 10 minutes in here already. Go ahead. What I've got is I, you know, I'm 30 years old. I've been, I've been driving for, like, I've been driving my car just to and from work and whatever, as everybody, as a lot of people do. I've been doing that for like 12 or 13 years now. And I've been pulled over exactly one time by police. Yeah. Uh, like I said, to start off, th- that's not the experience that a lot of black people or people of color have. No, they may get pulled over once a month, oh, once or, a week. Or regularly than that too. Yeah. I, I've had exactly one negative interaction with police. And I, I still have a scar on my ear as a reminder of it. Yeah. What, uh, what has occurred to me over the last two weeks that hadn't previously was uh, my negative interaction with police. What would have happened if it wasn't an upper class white or upper middle class white kid and all of his white friends that got into this situation with police? What if it was, uh, you know, a black teenager with a bunch of their black friends in a mainly black community, you know, my ear got pun- my my ear got punctured by an exploding glass bottle. Um, and because of my reflexes at the time, it probably saved me from losing my eye or a larger scar across my face. I, I was fortunate to come out with a, a scar on my ear, but you know what? If my skin color was different, or if it happened to somebody else in a different neighborhood the outcome could have been drastically different. Yeah. All because there was a police officer involved that saw an opportunity to bully and intimidate a bunch of teenagers. Yeah. So it's, you know, that, that's, that's part of my white privilege is that I, I got out of a negative interaction with police with a small scar on my ear. I still have my life. I still have my eyes. I still have, full mobility of my limbs. And that, that's just not the same experience that a lot of members of the black community have. Yeah. Um, you know, if, I, I don't think we're being all that eloquent here, but it, it, it kind of, I, I just wanted to give some people a, a glimpse into my thoughts over the last few weeks, because, you know, I, with a lot of this kind of stuff and, and emotional things, I tend to be a pretty private person. Yeah. And I think this is an opportunity for like myself to 
share some experiences, share my thoughts and just be more vocal because I, I know that myself, I can be very quiet in uh, uncomfortable or confrontational situations. And I think that's something that needs to change in order to help other people that don't have the yeah. same experiences as I do. Yeah. So I'll, I'll leave it there because I, I feel like I'm rambling and my, my <laughs> thoughts aren't, aren't very organized because like I said at the start, like every time, well, every time I open up Twitter now, there's a new horrific video to see. And there's yeah. a whole bunch of fallout from that to happen. And it's, it's just nuts. Um, yeah. so uh, I will say black lives matter. I will say, um, I, I hope that, um, members of the black community and other uh, people of color will feel welcome in our community. Um, and please, if ever there's anything that either of us do that, uh, threatens you feeling welcome or another person in our community does to threaten your feeling of being welcome in our community, let us know and we'll, we'll change that. Yeah. Uh, that, you said that better than I could have ever hoped to. You've actually had, unfortunately, a negative in, inter, uh, interaction with the police. I never have. Yeah. Um, and I actually went to the protest on, um, on Friday, June 5th, downtown Ottawa, because uh, part of it was my friends were going, and although I wasn't expecting it to get violent, in case it did, I wanted to make sure that I could get them out of there, but also because I, was, I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn what I could on oppression and how these, the, the group of people, the black community, the people of color community have been feeling for essentially ever. Right. Like they have generations upon generations, centuries upon even millennium of oppression that they have dealt with that I will never know. Yeah. And it's just it's something that I was trying to get a better grasp on and something that I wanted to get a better grasp on. I, don't, I think it definitely helped, but I do have more that I can and will learn. Yeah. And I, I wanted to go to the protests on uh, Friday, June 5th here in Ottawa. Um, unfortunately, I have a medical condition and I'm taking medication for it that's immunosuppressant. So with the current um, uh, pandemic situation still ongoing, um, you know, it wasn't safe for me to go and be in a crowd that large. Um, at this time. At this time. But hopefully... Um, you know, hopefully I am able to show my support in other ways. Uh, I know I've been on Twitter constantly trying to uh, spread the message to my handful of followers there. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I, I just want people to know that yeah, this is a moment in history. And I think it's important to make sure that you're showing which side you're on. And yeah history will show that this is the right side yeah. that black lives matter um that police brutality is not something that should be defended or put up with uh it, it needs to change and in order to change it it sure looks like it's a tear it down and rebuild it situation because yes. the, the way things are right now um 
propagates violence and it propagates death and it propagates suffering. So it needs to change. And in order to do that, things are going to have to be completely torn down and rebuilt again. Yes. So if you're not on board for that, get out of the way. Yes, I agree. Um, right. I don't know if there's anything else I can add to it. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to it, if you just want to leave it at that. I, I'll, I'll also say that, uh, you know, it, it wasn't written. The, uh, the idea of defunding the police was not something that was on my radar until this week. And now that I'm seeing what that means and um, why people are saying that, I'm all on board. Um, for the most part in North America, it seems like I haven't seen every single city's budget when it comes to uh, policing versus other um, other services provided, but from what I've seen, it's exponentially more expensive, or or more budget is allocated towards policing than any other service combined, um, and that's um, that that's not right. It's the for starters, it's not right for the community, but it's also not fair to the police to ask them to. Um, provide services that they're not trained for and they have no expertise in. Yes. So defunding the police, if, if you support the police, don't see defunding the police as abolishing them completely and then not replacing them with anything. That's not what it's about. It's about taking some of the money that is given to the police in order for them to buy tear gas and um, riot gear and tanks and give it to other departments like social services or public health or, you know, something that's a little self-serving for me, but still helps the community is recreation. Um, all of those services would help the police do their job if they were better funded, because then the police don't have to respond to mental health issues. When they're not trained or they're not trained doing it. And then they end up, you know, tasing somebody to death or shooting somebody to death because they're not trained to deal with people with mental health issues. Yeah. Yeah. As some, as someone who wants to be a police in the future, uh, I agree with that, that uh, the spending could be better allocated. Um, I, this is something that I meant to look up before this podcast so I can touch on it, but I haven't. So I'm not going to say too, too much more. It's something I do need to look into more, especially because I want to be, like I said, I want to be a police officer here in Ottawa in the future. And I, as a police officer of the future, I hope to be anyway. Um, I want to be able to understand certain situations better than I do now. And I want to be able to learn through the police, how I can better hand, better handle situations. And in order for that to happen, changes need to be made. Yeah. I don't know the changes. Uh, there are definitely people who do know them, who have done more research than I have. I am working on that. Um, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay. And before we start the show up, um, in terms of the actual hockey content, I've, I've just got two more things that I wanted to say because I've been thinking about them a lot. Let's hear it. <laughs> uh, Number one, with regards to um, like violence and police brutality, uh, have you seen what a rubber bullet is? Like, they're massive. Seen, I like again. This is 
my white privilege and my like ignorance when it comes to police brutality. But for my entire life up until this week, I thought a rubber bullet was like the a, size a, of a, a bullet. bullet that was made out of rubber. These things are like the size of large fucking dildos. They're <laughs> huge. And some of them look like they're basically made out of uh, repurposed hockey pucks. Yeah. Like, people are losing eyes. People are getting like, um, yeah, it, it, people are getting huge, awful injuries, life altering injuries from rubber bullets, which, which they're also being shot at the public wrong. They're meant to be shot off the ground and ricochet so that the ground absorbs some of the impact. Yeah. They're being shot point blank at directly heads and torsos. They're like, it can kill someone. (laughs) Yeah. It can kill you. It can blind you. Like, that that shouldn't be something that the police use to um, for crowd control. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, like they're classified. I'm pretty sure uh, they're not non-lethal. I'm I know, sure and they had been referred to as lethal. non-lethal rounds for years, and then now people are seeing the damage that they can do, and now all of a sudden they're being referred to more frequently as less lethal. And it's yeah. like, you know what? Why are the police allowed to use? almost lethal force on crowds of people that are out exercising their rights to protest. It's nuts. Um, And then my, my other thought was um, the, the idea that the police that are, that are um, brutalizing or, or using violence are just a few bad apples. Uh, Something again that I learned this week was that the phrase a few bad apples is only part of the actual saying. It's something along the lines of a few bad apples spoils spoil the batch. Moral. Yeah. So yeah. people are acting as if a few bad apples are just a couple of like bad cops that are out there, um, you know, committing assault and murder uh, in a vacuum, but it's not. It, it's not like what we're just pointing out the bad apples, picking them and throwing them away like we should be. Throwing them in with everyone else. Yeah, they're they're in. Yeah, they're in with the rest of the apples, and they're spoiling the entire barrel. So it's, and I've seen it pop up a few times. Of if a couple of people rioting and looting spoils the entire protest, then a couple of cops beating the shit out of people with batons, shooting people with less lethal uh, rounds, point blank in the face, or kneeing on someone's neck until they die of asphyxiation yeah those cops are bad apples that are spoiling it for everybody else yes and it's a systemic issue because these good cops that aren't doing those things don't do anything to report the bad cops or if they do the supervisors or higher officers aren't doing anything about it to fix the problem like these cops are out there using lethal and almost lethal force without punishment without discipline and they know that they can get away with it because we've got hundreds of videos of them doing it and they just stand there afterwards there's no repercussions for it so the the entire system needs to be torn down and rebuilt again with everybody in mind this time um so yeah, those those are my last couple thoughts. Um, if I if yeah, I'll just keep rambling. You look so, exhausted just from talking about this. 
yeah honestly like it's it's affected my sleep because there's something new that happens all the time and it it just it gets my blood boiling to see the stuff happening because it's it's insane to me that people can treat other people that way and have nothing happen and then have tons of people support them saying like yeah if you didn't want to if you didn't want to get blinded by you know a, a six inch dildo shot out of a shotgun directly at your face uh you shouldn't have been out at 801 after like one minute after the curfew started it, you know what fuck off with fuck that. you yeah fuck off with that especially because the police are trapping people on bridges or on major streets they're surrounding them five minutes before the curfew starts and then the curfew kicks in and they start tear gassing and shooting rubber bullets at everybody so it yeah it's uh yeah it almost it almost is like they're hurting them like buffaloes right hurting them like buffalo so that they could shoot at them yeah yeah exactly it's and then complain that oh these protesters were here late it's like yeah because you wouldn't let them you wouldn't let them leave and then when they tried to leave you chase them down and beat the shit out of them with batons so one thing i do i quickly want to mention sorry about that is i found ottawa police did a really really great job at the ottawa protest because they had uh groups of four about at every intersection and all they were doing, they weren't blocking anyone. Like if anyone would ask them a question, they would answer. They were being nice and polite, at least what I saw. Mm-hmm. And all they didn't in- interfere with anything. They just let it happen. And when people wanted to leave, they were just like, yeah, go ahead, leave. But it wasn't an overwhelming presence. They weren't trying to intimidate anyone. They were just yep. saying, we're here for safety. That's it. Exactly, yeah. And from what I saw, it was like a bunch of um, like bicycle officers too, right? Yeah, there were a lot. There there were a lot of bicycle officers, which is fine because with that number of people, you don't want cruisers driving around. But no, the the shit that we're seeing in the States is, you know, yeah, there's thousands of protesters out there and then busloads of officers brought in. It's like a dick measuring contest for them to come out and say, yeah, you guys think that we were bad before? Just wait until 8.01 and we're going to beat the fuck out of you and then you'll see how bad things really are. So, yeah, yeah, there's there's been a whole lot of police brutality at the anti-police brutality protests. So uh, (laughs) they're really just proving a lot of people right. And um, I can't believe it. it, A lot of people are showing their asses on this thing. When, When we get to reflect and see what side of history people on, there's... There's a, a lot line. of people that are aligning themselves on the wrong side here. Yeah. Um, All right. I think yeah. we're just starting to repeat ourselves a bit. Exactly. Yeah. And we'll, you know, we'll, uh, we'll exercise a bit more of our white privilege here by, uh, by moving on to another topic. <laughs> yeah. Cause we, we have the, we have the ability to do that. Yes. Um, yeah. We have, and it's important to recognize that too. Yes. Absolutely, I agree. Sorry, um, before we do that, one final, final, actual <laughs> final thought. Okay. Um, yep, go for it. I have seen a lot of a lot of um, people saying that the the racism stuff that's going on is a, a U.S. problem, and I just re- want to remind everybody um, because from the stats I've seen, like ninety percent of our listeners are in Canada or I know are Canadian. Uh, it like this is a problem here too. Yeah, the black community, people of color, and especially indigenous Canadians. Yeah, that's been a huge issue 
forever since the settlement forever. of Canada. Yeah. Ever by since, the Europeans. Yeah, ever since the first white Europeans came over and, and found First Nations people. Yeah, that's when that problem started and still going on. It is systemic. Um, it's rooted in Canadian culture and Canadian history. So if... Don't act like it's not there. Don't act like it's not our not a problem here. It always has been. It still is today. Just because we don't talk about it doesn't mean it's not an issue here. And that's yeah. something that needs to change. Um, just because just because we're a little better at hiding our skeletons doesn't mean we don't have them. Exactly. Um, so yeah, let's exercise some of our white privilege here and move on to our um, extraordinarily white sport. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So here we you, go. Okay, sorry. It's just no one can see you right now. Jordan is leaning over on his desk, rubbing his eyes out of sheer what looks like frustration and exhaustion. It, just it's just about it. we could literally go for hours and days talking about all of the issues because yeah, as you said, our exceptionally white sport where all of those uh, you know like fifty or sixty white athletes from the NHL released, you know a range of nice to totally empty and transparent um, statements, statements over the past couple weeks. Um, and then the same eight players of color that get asked every year about racism were asked questions. Yeah, but here's... We the, only have like eight. You know what's crazy though? Re remember in uh, November when Akeem Alou came out with the accusations against Bill Peters? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how many players put out statements then? in support of Akeem Alou or the, the black players in the NHL? I know Subban did. So, yeah, so one. One. Maybe. There was one. Yeah. And, I don't uh, know if um, former player, now media personnel, Kevin Weeks, I don't know if he did anything. I, I imagine that some people in the media did kind of like talk about it or show support for Akeem Alou. But, but the fact in, that we can't in terms, name... In terms of actual NHL players making real statements like they did over the last week, Zero. No, Zero. None of them. Um, and then, like, two weeks ago, Akeem Alou had another, like, a more in-depth article explaining more detail about um, his, his experience with racism in hockey, growing up in the pros and in the NHL. How many NHL players and teams came out in support of him? Zero. None. Seriously? Yeah, the NHL, put, the NHL put out a statement saying, yeah, we're really sorry to hear about all of the racism that you experienced in, uh, you know, minor hockey and the minor leagues. And they didn't mention that he experienced any in the NHL, which he did. Um, it's, but, but then now the players seem to be learning. But we'll have to keep some receipts to see how things change in the next few months. Yeah, it's also important to note for these athletes as well is um, they're most of them are young. Like a lot, a good chunk of the NHL is made out of young, mid to early twenty year olds who, up until now, their only focus in their entire life has been hockey. Yeah. Now that they're in the real world, now that they're turning into these adults, because we do, we do tend to lose the fact that Connor McDavid's only twenty three years old. Yeah. Connor McDavid would just now be graduating university-ish. He, he is just experiencing the world for the first time now, and he is still learning. The world outside of hockey, anyway. And he's still learning, and it, it's important for these players to take those steps and to learn about the world because they are now a part of it. And yes, it, they, it, it's important for them to, um, to find their voice, too, because 
the biggest problem with hockey is that all of these guys just want to be professional athletes when they're on the ice. And then when they leave the building, they want to be anonymous and not controversial. Uh, they, they need to change that because they have a lot of power. Yes. And um, yeah, they, they have a lot of power to affect change. And if they don't use that power, if they don't use their voice, then they're, yeah, they're, essentially on the side of oppressors with great power comes great responsibility yeah just like spider-man's uncle told him yeah just a great uncle good uncle ben there yeah all but right yeah. so well here we had planned to spend about 15 minutes on that and it's been uh 30 Half an hour yeah so yeah. yeah we'll we'll um get into the news of the day yeah and um here i'll i'll quote one of my favorite podcasters and we'll uh, start the show proper here So, welcome to the Little Hockey Pod. My name is Jordan. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Little Hockey Pod. And my co-host Keegan. Sup, y'all? We are brothers on opposite sides of the Battle of Ontario. And we're going to get into talking about the NHL's return to play announcement, which came out a couple weeks ago. It came out like a day or two after our last episode. So that was a bummer, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, what are your thoughts on the, uh, the return to play format for the, the playoffs and the qualifying round? As a Suns fan specifically, I couldn't care less because I'm not going to be in it. Right. Uh, as, as someone as a civilian concerned about the health and safety of these players, I think it's stupid. I think it's ridiculous. And they're putting too much um, priority into sports rather than these players' actual health. All that being said, as a straight hockey fan, I'm going to watch every single fucking game <laughs> of every series. I am so excited hockey is coming back. Yeah, um, at, at some undetermined date in the future. Which, yeah. <laughs> is, which is part of what I, I why I think. Um, you know, that the, the safety isn't as big of an issue because um, like, it's not like they're saying, yeah, July 2nd, we're going to start things up regardless of how things are. Um, yeah. They, they see, it seems like it's gotten pushed back a few weeks already. They were saying like mid July. And now I'm seeing that training camps aren't going to start until the end of July. Yeah. So it seems like the season is going to start probably mid or late August at the earliest. Well, yeah, because it, the training camps are going to be a minimum of two weeks. Yeah, it's going to be two weeks of training camp. And then the, um, the qualifying round and the, uh, the seeding round are going to have to take up about two weeks as well. Yeah. Uh, at least 10 days for a, a best of five series. Yeah, if they really push it. 
so yeah, if if the season or if um, training camp starts August first, then we've got two weeks of training camp. We're mid-August, two weeks of qualifying and seeding, seeding. round robin. So we're already into you know late August, early September before the actual playoffs start. And playoffs wow. are what usually a month and a half, two months. Well, normally they start uh, second week of April and they end mid June. So they're two yeah. months long. The Stanley Cup's going to be awarded in late October, mid November, probably. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of my biggest concerns is when's the 2020, 2021 year? That's a lot of 20s going to start. By the, sound, by the sounds of it, it it's going to be like New January. Year. Yeah. By the sounds of it, it's going to be the 2021 season. It's going to be nuts. Like the Senators aren't going to play a game for nine months. Which, again, extreme circumstances because of the pandemic, I get it. Uh, but I, I understand them wanting to bring hockey back as soon as possible. I understand that. I still don't know if continuing this season and doing the playoffs is the right way to bring the hockey back, bring hockey back. Yeah, I, I think it, it depends on what, you, what your priorities are. because. Um, People that have listened to every episode so far will know that my my thoughts were from the beginning, like, just cancel it. Call yep. it, start things up in September like normal. Um, I'm kind of moving away from that now because I'm interested to see if the league is going to take this opportunity to change, to change. its calendar. Yeah, um, which would be interesting. It would be interesting. I think it could be good for the league if they start, the, like, if you start the season in January. Yeah, because um, I know because um, it kind of follows the school schedule here now, right? Starts yeah, in October, exactly. ends in June. The problem with that, though, is that the NHL, like NHL training camp and preseason is right at the same time as the NFL kickoff. Yeah. And, and then the NHL season starts at the same time as the NBA season does. So our playoffs are happening at the exact same time. So every, and especially every, in, And also at the beginning of the NHL season, is uh, Major League Baseball playoffs. Yeah. So yeah, as, because... soon, as soon as the season kicks off, we're automatically, at best, in fourth place yeah. in, in terms of attention. Because um, what sports go on through the summer in North America? Um, baseball. Uh, Canadian football. Yeah. And um, like Wrestling. Major, <laughs> Major League Soccer. Yeah, and Major League Soccer is definitely not one of the top priorities in North America. It's growing, for sure. Hey, in, in some uh, markets in the States, it's above hockey. Yeah, exactly. Exactly my point. Hockey is so beaten and overwhelmed by baseball, football, and basketball because of its schedule that it doesn't really have any room to grow. You need to put it on a time where none of those other sports are on so that people have more time to watch it and fall in love with it. Because as exactly. we've... As we've said before, hockey's a great sport. The NHL is just not the greatest league. Mm-hmm. Hockey is by far the most entertaining sport I have watched. And I have watched, like, I've watched rugby, football, baseball, basketball, cricket. Um, and nothing grabbed my attention like hockey did. Yeah. Um, all right. So with the qualifying round, that is. Uh, teams in each conference ranked from 5th to 12th off of, I believe, points percentage. Yes. Okay. So those teams are going to be playing a best of five 
series in order to make it into the playoffs. Yeah, are, how does that work for their stats? Because the season's over. Does the playing round count as playoff stats, or how the hell is that going to work? Or is I, it just going to be this subcategory for this one year? Yeah, I, I think it. I think it's going to be like a subcategory that they just never refer to again beyond this season. Um, Unless they keep the playing round for whatever reason. I don't think they are because Gary Bettman hates the idea of having like a wild card or a play-in round. Um, they did it this year uh, to have a necessity. Yeah, they did it this year out of necessity. Exactly. But in the future, like as long as Gary Bettman's the commissioner, I don't think we're going to have a wild card play-in. Um, yeah. Which I'm fine with. Like, yeah, just take the top 16 teams. There's already enough games that is, as it is, don't add any more that you don't need. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in, in the Eastern conference, the way the matchups work is uh, we've got fifth versus 12. So Pittsburgh is the fifth ranked team versus Montreal, the 12th. The winner of that qualifying series will play the fourth place team from the seeding round Robin, which is weird. No, it makes sense because you you don't want the like the top ranked team in the qualifying round who, you know, presumably Pittsburgh beats Montreal, right? You don't want them going up against the top ranked team. Yeah, but then because uh, that that's no advantage, right? Here, I'll I'll bring this up again when you talk about eight versus nine. Sure. Okay. Uh yeah, and the Sixth place Carolina versus the eleventh place Rangers. They the winner of that faces the third place team from the seeding round robin. Um, Which okay, just just so people know, fourth place in the conference right now before the seeding round is Philadelphia. Philly. Yeah, yeah. The third place in the before the seeding round is Washington. Okay, based on points percentage alone. Yeah. Go ahead. And, and then. Um, the Islanders are seventh versus the Panthers, who are tenth. Winner of that faces the second place team from the seeding round robin, who is Tampa. Tampa. And then Toronto eight versus Columbus nine. The winner faces the first place team from the seeding round robin, which right now is Boston. Okay, here's where I have an issue with this. Okay. The Pittsburgh Montreal series. What if by some effing miracle. Carey Price stands on his head. Max Domi turns into friggin' early 2000s Saku Koivu. And the Boston Bruins turn into the 2019 Tampa Bay Lightning. Or, sorry, the Pittsburgh Penguins turn into the 2019 Tampa Bay Lightning and choke. The Montreal Canadiens would then place the fourth place team. The lowest seed in round team. And then Boston, presumably they get first will have to play one of the more competitive teams in Boston and Columbus. How is that fair? Right. So, I you, under, so, I so you, you would be an advocate for reseeding uh, after the qualifying round. I'm not quite sure what people mean by that. So could you okay, so, uh, so that? Re, reseeding, um, it would be, uh, the, you would take the winners from the qualifying round and then you would seed them based off of like their season points percentage. So then Montreal would come into it as the lowest ranked team in the actual playoffs. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I would kind of uh, like, I would so, like that. So yeah, if, if Montreal was the only upset in the qualifying round, then Montreal would come into it as the lowest ranked team uh, into the playoffs and they would play against the top ranked team. So presumably Boston. Yeah. Um, like to me, the whole seed in rounds, the round Robin, 
I don't like I like the idea of it so that the teams can get some games in. I don't really like that it's determining their seeding because Boston was like 10 points ahead of Tampa. They were the best team in the league. Why should they have to prove it and potentially lose it in these three fucking games? It makes it, no sense and it's completely unfair. What was the rest of their season about if their spot's going to be completely determined by these three made-up fucking games? And that, that, that was my initial thought too. What I've heard a lot of since then is that the round robin for seeding for those top four teams in each conference, that was um, in response to those teams saying, hey, it's not fair that all of the lower ranked teams get to play meaningful, meaningful games, games before us. Yeah, Which we're I understand that. For, yeah, we're coming into this cold. So then Gary Bettman's like, all right, fine. You want to play meaningful games? Here. Yeah, you, you can lose your... your um, you can lose your number one seed overall because of three bad games. Yeah. So you guys want to complain about Steph? There you go. Now you've got meaningful games, and it also means that you could get you could draw a harder opponent. Yeah. Yeah. So it, With, like, it's, it's a good balance. Yeah. Like I'm just I, it's like I'm. I know I have a lot of thoughts that are very un or not collected. That are just I'm going to be spewing out for this, so let's just yeah. keep going before I go on a rant. Yeah, um, when when this was first announced, like I, I had a lot of issues with it, and then I sat down mm-hmm. and thought of it, and I I kind of realized that you know what, this overall this format is pretty good. It's pretty balanced. That, yeah, considering that I think that almost everything the NHL does is a huge fucking mistake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, this but, is one of the few hits. Yeah, it, even the draft lottery, which like I, I tweeted. I'm out fine from, with it. Yeah, when I when I tweeted out from the uh, the podcast Twitter when this first came out, I was like, "This is dumb. This is stupid. I can't believe that they're doing this." Now I'm like, you know what? It's fine. It, it's pretty good. It makes sense. Um, the multiple lotteries are kind of weird, but uh, we'll get into that when we talk about the. Um, yeah, I just yeah, want to do a quick little rapid fire here. Sure. Uh, tell me, who do you think is going to win the – I'll tell you the rounds. Who do you think is going to win it? How many games? Who's going to be the star player? So, first, Ooh. Pittsburgh versus Montreal. Who wins? Uh, I think Pittsburgh wins. I say Pittsburgh wins. I say they win it in four. In f- oh, yeah. I okay. think Montreal wins one four. game. One game, okay. Yep. Uh, key player there, uh, Malkin. Yeah, Malkin always friggin' ratchets it up for the playoffs. So I, I would agree with that. Uh, but ju- just to like pick a different person, um, you know what? I'll say Matt Murray. You uh, think he's going to bounce back? I, I think he's, yeah, I think he's going to um, get a little bit closer to his, his uh, playoff performance from those two back-to-back cup years. Um, yeah. I, I think the layoff was probably good for him just – just to get some rest and to reset a little bit. Cause it seemed like it was a tough year for goalies in general, but he had a really tough year. Um, and I, I think that the pressure from the, uh, the two other guys behind him, uh, Jari and to Smith. Yeah. Jari and to Smith. I think that pressure is going to help him, uh, help him perform. Yeah. And quick little note, if he's healthy, Jake Gunsel, he's almost a point per game in his career in playoffs. Uh, also, uh, Montreal winning is completely dependent on Carey Price. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. That's just a fact. Yeah. Uh, Carolina versus the Rangers. This is the one that I think might be the most interesting to watch. 
because the Rangers were on a freaking tear at the end of the year. You know what? I I think the Hurricanes are really worried about the Rangers because they voted against this format because they were like, we don't want to have to play against the Rangers in order to get into the playoffs that we were already like established as making. Yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think I think the Rangers could take it in like three or four games. Uh, I am inclined to agree with you solely because I think this is my Disney brain working here. I want Lundqvist to, to go on one last hurrah. A last dance, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> with with the um, Rangers, anyways. I think he'll yeah. be back next season, but with a different team. Yeah, I agree. Um, the big big players for Carolina are the obvious ones. Aho, Sreshnikov, Karavainen. Uh, their defense has to be strong with um, Slavin, uh, Hamilton, and Pesci. Yeah, for um, me, I think the key player in that series is going to be Mika Zibanejad. Yeah, it depends on if he can keep up the pace he was going at. Yeah, uh, I think he's just going to – like, the, the problem with Carolina is their goalies aren't great. As much as I love James Reimer, him and Peter Mrazek are, aren't really the, the pair to go up with that three-headed monster that uh, the Rangers have. Plus, you know, like, Carolina's going to have to put so much focus on uh, containing Panarin that I think Zibanejad is going to get some really good opportunities because they play on different lines. So yeah. I, I think Zibanejad could be a – could be the, the key player in that series and get the Rangers to win it in four. That being said, Carolina's defensive depth could really come in clutch, especially if they get everyone healthy. Especially um, Dougie Hamilton, because he, he, he had a season-ending injury that he could be back from. Yeah, like, and he was having a potential Norris caliber year. Yeah. Like Norris nominated, anyway. Uh, let's move on to the Islanders in Florida. So, oh, wait, sorry, Rangers in Carolina. What did you say? You said Rangers, I said Boston. Rangers in four. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, Rangers in five. Okay. Um, Islander, New York Islanders and the Florida Panthers. Uh, Islanders. Like, I don't think Florida has a chance here. Yeah, the, the, the Panthers, their goaltending has just been so bad. And the Islanders, you know, they, they can win games two to one or one nothing. So if, as much as, yeah, and if, uh, you know, as much as I don't give a shit about this series, yeah, the, the Islanders and who's the key player? It's, I don't know. Name three players off the Islanders, fucking Matt uh, Barzal and uh, two other guys. It's those Pajot and ones. Lee. Oh yeah, sure. We'll go with uh, JG Pajot then. Yeah, I, honestly, underrated playoff performer Pajot. In 2017, he had the most goals for the Senators. I think he had something like a, 11 or 12 goals in the I mean, Rangers series. Yeah, in the Rangers series score, alone, like, all of them against the Rangers though. In the Rangers series alone, he got six goals in those six games. Four right. of them were in one game. But I still, think don't. we only have time to do the Eastern Conference here. Yeah, uh, you think cause, so? Yeah, because uh, we've also got to talk about the, um, the draft, the draft quick. briefly. Uh, with yeah. Toronto and Columbus. Um, Columbus in five. Ooh, no, I, I think it's the Leafs in five. I think that one has that one's probably going to go the full length. But um, – I, I don't think Columbus is as strong as they were last year. And I, I think that um, their, uh, their sweep of the lightning last year, I don't think that they're going to be able to repeat that kind of performance against the Leafs, even though the Leafs aren't the same, up to the same caliber as the, the lightning. Um, All right. I, I, I think... Yeah, I, I, I think the Leafs are just going to be so happy that they don't have to face the Bruins right away. 
weight lifted off their shoulder. Yeah. And it, it's just, I don't think the Blue Jackets have the, the horses that can keep up with the Leafs, even though they were able to sweep the Lightning last year. Maybe it's just my rose-colored glasses for the Leafs, but um, I, I think the Leafs come out of that. I think they make it into the playoffs. And then, you know, we'll see how we do against uh, whoever is ranked first out of the seeding round. That all being said, Columbus is getting some key players back, like their starting goalie, Jonas Corpusalo, as well as Seth Jones. Um, but not only that, I'm going to use this as a bit of a segue to turn into the draft. There's a scenario that I sadistically kind of want to happen and kind of like, um, I shouldn't even say sadistically. Um, oh, what's that word when you enjoy uh, self-pain? Uh, masochist. <laughs> when you enjoy self-pain? You, know, yeah. you want to see the Leafs miss the playoffs and get a top three pick? Yes! <laughs> like, as well, I shouldn't say I want to see that, but the like anarchist in me would love that. I'd find that effing hilarious. Especially, so, yeah, especially because, yeah, the Leafs... Um, their the, pick is top the, 10 protected. Exactly. So if we, if, you know, we're one of those placeholder teams that miraculously wins the two lotteries to, to win one of the top three picks, yeah, it would be pretty, pretty hilarious. Um, okay. It would suck for me personally to have to go until like January to watch the Leafs play again. But um, it, it would also be a little bit of a, uh, of a participation trophy. Yeah. In order to, uh, if we get a top pick out of it, but I, I'd much rather prefer a, a deep playoff run than a top three pick. That's fine. So we'll talk about the West and everything else next time on next, next episode. We'll go in a bit more in depth, uh, but I quickly want to talk about the draft. Um, for those wondering, the draft lottery system is going to work similarly to how it was uh, originally supposed to work before the pandemic, which is the 15 teams or, yeah, the 15, 15 teams, that, teams missed, that don't make the playoffs. All go into the lottery for the top three picks. Yeah. All the odds are the same as they were. So Detroit being the last place team has the best odds as the first overall pick at 18 and a half. Ottawa with their pick and the San Jose pick uh, have the best chances out of anyone with a 25% chance of landing first overall, so on and so forth. The only difference is, is that those bod or I guess the top seven teams are undetermined because they need to do the play in rounds. So rather than just having, so yeah, there are the the lowest ranked seven teams that, that aren't making the qualifying round for the playoffs. They they're in the draft lottery, and then the next eight teams to make up the fifteen teams in the in the lottery, those eight teams, um, be will be placeholders for now. Yes, because the draft lottery is happening June twenty sixth, and obviously we're not going to know who's going to win in the qualifying round then. Um, so there's going to be the placeholder teams that are put into the draft lottery. Um. So it'll be placeholder A through, I think it's H. Um, If one of those placeholder teams wins one of the top three picks, then after the qualifying round has been completed, there will be another lottery amongst those qualifying round losers. Yeah. In order to determine who gets to be that placeholder team that won one of the top three picks. For those of you 
that have not noticed already, Jordan is definitely the one better at describing things because I get a little <laughs> too excited and start rambling and get a little incoherent. So Jordan is the explainer here, and I am the one that just goes crazy. So um, yeah, it, it's like the the two lotteries was what drove me nuts when I first saw this. Oh, I thought it was ridiculous. Yeah, because obviously the the easiest thing to do would be just play the qualifying round and then do the draft lottery. Absolutely. But at least this way, like it's weird and it's, you know, it's an extra dumb step that we have to do to figure out the actual draft order. But at least but this fuck way. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at least this way we've got something hockey related to watch in June. So, you know what? I'm excited for it. We'll, we'll, uh, I think we should do like a live um, podcast for that. Oh, I, I agree with that 100%. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a live recording alongside the draft lottery um, stuff. Um, and who knows, if we can figure out how Zoom works, maybe we can uh, open up the... Uh, maybe the we can like Instagram live or to, uh, ha- go live on Twitter or something with it. As yeah, well. exactly. We can do something like that. Um, um, you know, for the six people that are going to be watching and interacting. So just a quick little overview, because there are a couple of ridiculous scenarios that I want to mention. Um, I don't really care how the lottery comes. We're guaranteed, Ottawa's guaranteed two top six, pardon me, two top six picks. The worst we can get is five and six, and we'll still get potentially two franchise altering players. So I don't care. I'm good with it. Whatever happens, happens. It's basically the same scenario as it was before the shutdown because of COVID happened. So nothing in for me has changed. Uh, I'd be mad if the Islanders get kicked out in the playing round and win the lottery because that means we don't get their first round pick mm-hmm. and i want that third first round pick it'd be very convenient i want a center and a winger to be specific i want byfield and one of lafreniere and raymond i'll settle for rossi and holtz but the one those are the guys i want the most um Puyarvi would be cool to trade for from edmonton if it happens cool if not whatever I just think a top line of Lafreniere, Byfield, and Puliarvi, the second line of Kachuk, Norris, and Batherson, would be pretty fucking sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the uh, this draft is going to be the most exciting part for the Ottawa rebuild. We already know all that. Let's get into some crazy things. Crazy thing number one: the Pittsburgh Penguins lose in the playing round, get Lafreniere, and then they play a top line of Lafreniere, Crosby, and Gensel. That'd be wild and then they win the cup next year anyway that yeah that's so many people's fears is that one of the like fifth or sixth ranked teams in either conference you know pittsburgh carolina edmonton or nashville you know they they have they play four bad games and and lose out of the qualifying round and then win the draft lottery so because all four of those teams are, are pretty good and if they all of a sudden get a top three pick that's NHL ready for their team next year. It's, you know, that's just a shitstorm waiting to happen. But um, yeah. I, yeah, I think you're right. Like there, there are a, a bunch of um, just full chaos mode outcomes that could be entertaining if it's uh, the right scenario and the right team for uh, your preferences. Want to hear something hilarious? Okay. There is a chance that a team could win the Stanley Cup and the second overall pick. How's that? The New York Rangers, specifically. Okay. This is a wild chance, but there is a possibility. So here's how it works. And this includes Toronto 
losing the play-in round. Okay. So Toronto, so, so Toronto would lose to Columbus in the play-in round. Yes. Okay. And they would win the lottery for first overall. So Toronto would win the lottery for first overall. Toronto would win the lottery for first overall. Okay. They would get Lafreniere, whoever. Second overall, Carolina would win that. The reason why it has to be like be this scenario is because the New York Rangers have Carolina's first round pick this year. And okay. the condition on it is it is the lower pick between theirs and Toronto's. Oh shit. Okay. So if so if Toronto loses to Columbus in the play in round and Carolina wins the lottery. And then Toronto wins the first overall lottery. Yeah. And the Rangers beat Carolina and Carolina's pick wins the lottery for the second overall. Second. Then the Rangers would get the second overall pick. And it's and advancing the Carolina owns Toronto's first round pick, but it's top ten protected. Yes. Okay. So there is a chance that the Rangers <laughs> there's a could win the cup. Chance that they could win the cup and the second overall pick. Hilarious. But the only way that happens is if Toronto wins the draft lottery. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what? Fuck it. Go for it. Why yeah. not? The worst can. Yeah, I think if, the worst... if if Toronto gets like swept or something by Columbus, then I am full Rangers bandwagon fan. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, what do you think of a top line of Lafreniere, Matthews, and Marner? Oh yeah, you know what? Fucking wicked. Then we got a second line of uh, Tavares, Nylander, and Nick Robertson. So uh, I think we're unstoppable next season. Well, for the next three seasons, and then you got to get rid of some of them. Yeah, it'll be Marner. He's too expensive. But that's yeah. a conversation and for a different day. <laughs> I think all I think you and I can both agree the worst case scenario would be uh, if the Habs get first overall pick. Oh, yeah, because as we all as we all know, ABC, anyone but the Canadians. Yeah. And just because it would be great, because then we can rub it in Uncle Roger's face and it would be awesome. Yeah. Shout out to Uncle Roger and uh, fuck the Canadians. Yep. He was mentioning <laughs> He's tongue-in-cheeking us, saying that we never talk about them. There you go, Uncle Roger. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah, also Uncle Scott. Yeah, Uncle Scott. Uncle just... Scott, yeah. Fuck the Canadians. Fuck the Canadians. <laughs> Screw those guys. But that, that's just the big thing with the draft. Like, a lot of it we've already covered. There's not really much new things to say. Um, I think that these crazy scenarios, again, I don't necessarily want it to happen. As a sense fan, I want number one and number two. But if it goes into full anarchy mode, I'm, I'm going to be living for it. Yeah, I, I was not aware of that uh, scenario for the Rangers. That, that's total news to me. And um, That's hilarious! Yeah, if, if the Leafs get kicked out in the qualifying round and uh, the Rangers win, I am full-on Rangers fan. Because they've been doing their rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it. They've been doing it so well. And if they just get the even if they just make it past the play in round and they play say like ooh New York Philly would be fun. Yeah, that 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 would be fun. So even if we just get that series and then they also get like imagine getting byfield the year after you get Capo Caco. Yeah. Like two straight second overall picks. Because they got it last year. Oh my god. Oh my God! Yes, please. Actually, no, not yes, please. Um, 
uh, hockey gods, please let Ottawa get one and two. But if they don't, <laughs> just fuck everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I guess. Detroit pick fourth. It, it does kind of suck because we don't even have to see what the outcome for the playoffs is before we know if that's an, op- if that's an actual realistic thing that can happen. We'll see um, if there's any placeholder teams that win any of the lotteries uh, in a couple yeah. of weeks. But uh, yeah, let's. Uh, but, I'm so excited for this draft. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be holding. <laughs> I'll be holding a, a small hope for that. That outcome. Um, uh, do you want to do a bit of the pop culture stuff, or do we have time? Uh, yeah, we've got like a, a couple minutes here to wrap up. First off. Uh, in Sens news this week. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, that uh, another tire was thrown on that smoldering tire fire of an organization. <laughs> Just keeping it going. Yeah. Um, so the Sens Foundation is announced that they're cutting ties with the, the team at the end of July, which was an announcement this week, and it came out of nowhere. Um, yeah, there was no, fo- no um, build-up to it or nothing. Yeah, there, there were... Yeah, you, we had both heard there were a few uh, news reports that came out that the senator's organization had been mulling this over for a few months and I guess had talked to the um, foundation to let them know that they wanted to open up a, like a kind of a bidding process this summer in order to find the best um, organ or the best charity that can be associated with the, the team which is kind of odd because the Sens Foundation has been the official charity yeah, for the organization. It's been almost two decades now, right? It's been, it's been like 22 years, apparently. 22 years, yeah. Um, yeah, it's almost been my entire life. Yeah, and my first thought was, yeah, this has to be money-related or yeah. um, something along or those Melnick. lines. Or yeah, Melnick. Yeah. Melnick-related. Melnick-related. And, oh, you know what? It apparently is Melnick-related. Oh, big surprise. Yeah, um, because the team is looking for... Uh, apparently, the Sens Foundation had to pay rent to the Senators, which is not something that other teams' charities have to do. Yeah, because their office was actually in the Canadian Tire Centre. I, ha- yeah. I visited it a few times. So now the Senators are looking for another charity that is going to be part of a bidding process, which means... The price could climb depending on how many organizations are interested in being affiliated with the senators as their official charity wing. Which, why do that now? Why yeah, be like, just, you are not in a strong bidding chance. You just lost, or earlier you lost the, uh, the chance to, or potentially lost the chance to re- relocate your rink because you're being selfish. Yeah. And now you're like, you know what? Now's a good chance for have people. Uh, pay money to be affiliated with us. It's like, eh, you sure about that? Not even just people, charity. Charity. Yeah, yeah ex- we, excellent point. Yeah, we want to, uh, yeah, we want to bleed out some of these charities for a couple more dollars because, yeah, our owner is broke as hell and has the ego the size of a, oh, like, yeah. the size of the city. <laughs> It, it's yeah it's nuts that the this, organization this, is doing this to their charity that has a lot of goodwill in the community they, they're going to um they're going to be isolating themselves from the community even further than they already have it's it's a it's a bad idea 
that's only going to get worse, especially because it also seems like Melnick was upset with the Sens Foundation because he wanted more control over where money was given. Yeah. And that's not how a charity works. You don't own a charity because you're, they're affiliated with your name. Nope. A charity is a charity. Yeah. If, if you want more control over where the money goes, then you know what, Melnick, you can focus all of, all of uh, that energy on the organ project, which you started yourself. So you, you can control where their money goes. Um, I, feel, I feel a little bad that the Leafs fan has more, has more knowledge about this than the Sens fan on the show. Hey, but... uh, it's just because I'm on Twitter all the time now. Um, well, that's fair. Now, I was before the pandemic, and then I took like a two-month break where I was on it very infrequently, and then all of the social unrest stuff happened, and now I'm on it constantly again. Yeah, and I started working full-time again, so I'm just kind of leaning on you for all that. Yeah, exactly. All right, we'll move into the pop culture bit because we're a bit over time here. We can just uh, kind of run through what uh, we're watching, listening to what we're doing, um, still to kill some time on the COVID stuff, although you said you're back to work now, so you've probably got a, your recommendation list is a little shorter than usual. Well, my recommendation list wasn't really that long to begin with. but Yeah, it was always um, the Clone Wars. Man, it's so good. <laughs> I will recommend that until I die. The first two seasons are a little rough to get through. As soon as you get to season three, I can't do it. As soon as you get to season three, perfect. Masterpiece. (laughs) Best Star Wars content you can ask for. There's no better Star Wars content than Clone Wars. If you don't believe me, watch it and then say I'm wrong. You can't. Um, But, like, uh, I found a new podcast, actually. Um, The Centennial podcast. It's a strictly Ottawa one, it's the only strictly Senators podcast I've found. Okay, cool. Does and they've only done like seven episodes. They started this year. Oh yeah, you know what then? What? They're our uh, they're our enemy. So uh, stop listening to them. We do not endorse whatever podcast that is. Uh, <laughs> when we find their recording studio, we're gonna burn it down. I'm yeah, starting exactly. a war. Total, totally not going to uh, ask them on the. Sh- Are we gonna do like a Sportsnet TSN thing? Where it's like, yeah, they're yeah. the podcast that shall, shall not be named. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, then, well, then you need one for the Leafs side too, but there's so many Leafs podcasts. Yeah, there, there's too many of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So f off. The one on, you know what? No, you can say they're the podcast that cannot be named. Yeah. I'm going to try and get them on the show. Screw you. Sound, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> but that's literally it. Other than that, it's the usual. Just friggin'. Oh, I want to watch the uh, Epstein documentary i've seen bits and pieces of that but i still haven't had time to watch it i've heard it's really good yeah we we started up the first couple of episodes um i don't know it like it's obviously incredibly disturbing uh if you're vaguely aware of what uh, epstein did and what he's known for recently then you you kind of got an idea of what the uh the series is about but it it I don't know. I didn't find it like super compelling just based off of the way it was assembled. Um, There's a lot of jumping around time wise that kind of gets confusing, at least for me anyways, it it wasn't holding my attention the way that some other um, like true crime, true true crime crime. uh, series have. Yeah. But uh, that just might be because I haven't gotten deep enough into it yet. That's fair. Other than that, anything interesting or new? Yeah, last night uh, we watched Parasite. The um, oh, how is that? Oh, it blew my mind. It was I. I thought it was great. Uh, my girlfriend Amanda 
when we talked about it last night she said she wasn't sure how she felt about it like because it's pretty weird but okay it, it starts off like a totally fine normal drama with some kind of comedic bits in there and then it does it like turns 180 yeah and it just gets wild um really yeah i i really really recommend it 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 is in korean so there are subtitles but um the subtitles don't take away from the movie at all uh you stop realizing that you're reading them after a certain point in the movie just because it's it's really compelling it's a really good movie i think it's well deserving of best picture this year um oh wow that's yeah. bold well it won best picture so it's not that bold did it it did it won the oscar for best picture yeah oh okay well shows how detached i am about all that yeah could amanda understand any of it without the subtitles uh yeah every for for those of you that don't know my girlfriend amanda spent a year in uh, korea teaching english and there were some phrases that she was picking up and she's like yeah th- that word or that phrase doesn't line up with the subtitles uh so it was kind of a a nice little added bit of context for it but it you know it it doesn't take away from anything no and plus you know at least at least in at least for me it may have for her but it didn't for me and anyone using grant google translate can understand that languages don't really word for word translate yeah exactly there are there are times where you have to kind of stretch or alter the meaning of a phrase in another language so that it makes sense in english or whatever yeah but um, okay i'll have to check that one out because i've also heard good things for about sure it, 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 but... it's on crave so if you have crave then um you can watch it and uh i i highly recommend it there's one scene in it that just fucked us up completely i will it, don't freaking spoil it no i won't it, it just gave us like it felt like you know spine <laughs> tingling and things crawling up your back it was so unsettling and terrifying it was just one Ooh. shot and it's just like holy shit <laughs> uh, well, that's good my my girlfriend really likes the horror stuff so maybe i'll be able to convince her to watch it yeah the second half of it is very thriller with horror elements in it perfect that's what she likes yeah but yeah for what i'm playing like games and stuff i'm, I'm still doing lots of city skylines that's just i don't understand how you can oh no it, it's great it's it's a ton of fun it's great building my own cities got one up to like seventy five thousand people in it it's great uh but cool. i also uh went back to the um uh batman arkham games i think i almost i almost gave mine away oh no you gotta play those <laughs> uh, i can't i, I, I can't skip, replay I was... story games oh no I skipped um, Arkham Asylum this time, and I just went to, straight to Arkham City, and I grabbed Arkham Knight for four ninety nine on the PlayStation Network. So anyway, always a good idea. Always a good idea. And then for podcasts, like I think last time I shouted out Harry Potter at Home, which I'm I'm still loving. It, it's it's a little frustrating because their episode release schedule is kind of a random and weird. It's inconsistent. Yeah, but uh, still a great time. And then also, uh, I'll shout out Puck Soup. They're also a hockey podcast, just hockey in general. But um, during the pandemic, every episode they've been doing um, like a game show theme, where every week they're they're doing a new game, and it's all it, for the most part it's hockey related, and it's awesome. I, I'm probably cool. going to steal some of their games for our podcast, so I wanted to give them a shout out before I do that. 
Yeah, it's not plagiarism if you give your citation. That's right. Um, but no, <laughs> but also, also not. <laughs> all, oh, yeah, also, yeah, also completely not. Um, uh, for any Sens fans wanting a bit of interview content, the latest 31 Thoughts podcast did a Connor Brown interview. Hmm. Um, they had Jerome McGinley on first to obviously talk about the Black Lives Matter and the whole social movement that's going on and his experience as a um, uh, black hockey player growing up. So that was really interesting. It was really good. It, I, um, for the longest time, couldn't find it. Couldn't find 31 Thoughts on Spotify. It's and not. Then it, just, it is. It came up on my uh, recommended. Oh, really? Okay. Cause, yeah, yeah, so that I, was, follow, that... I followed it because I'm like, I'm not friggin' losing this. Yeah, because yeah. for the longest time they weren't. They were only on Google Play and Apple Podcasts. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that they finally uh, got on here. I'm going to go right now and find it. It's really good. That, like, that was my first little taste of the 31 Thoughts podcast, and it's really good. They do like uh, a two-hour episode, and then the one after is only like half an hour, and then they kind of cycle back and forth, similar to what we do, um, which was kind of cool. But yeah, uh, 31 Thoughts is always good. Uh, and I just wanted to mention that they had that Connor Brown interview where he talks about the potential of staying in Ottawa. Nice. Also, um, DJ Smith, greatest coach ever. Just want to say that because apparently he was a big reason why and he was the main reason Ennis came over. Hmm. Did you hear about that? No, I didn't hear that. Ennis said that the DJ, the reason why he came to Ottawa was because he loved DJ Smith so much and he knew that uh, DJ understood him and would play him the way that he liked to be played. And nice. Connor Brown said a big part of the reason why he enjoyed his time in Ottawa was part was because of the culture that the guys and DJ Smith made. So DJ Smith, greatest coach of all time. Toronto's biggest mistake was choosing Sheldon Keefe over him. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm standing by that. I'm standing that by that statement. Ottawa will win a Stanley Cup before Toronto because oh, our shit. highest paid player, our highest paid player will be Thomas Shabbat at $8 million. Out of necessity. Out of what do you mean out of necessity? Well, because the your owner has the shallowest pockets in the league. Yeah, but if we sign those guys anyway, why the hell does it matter if we have shallow pockets if they stay on the team for cheap? Yeah, no, it's good if they stay on the team for cheap, but if they leave the team because the because of the owner's shallow pockets, then it's a problem. Well, sure, but if we set the precedence now, we'll be fine, especially yeah. if we name Shabbat ca- captain. Yeah, I, I would rather Brady Kachuk, but hey, whatever. That's a conversation for another time. Yeah, and speaking of another time... That's all of ours for today. Smooth. Yeah. <laughs> Smooth like a gravel driveway. Um, hey, as someone that does driveways, they can be. <laughs> you just got to pack it properly. All right. So that, that's all of our time for this week. Um, we'll uh, catch up with everybody in two weeks. Um, in case you haven't noticed, we're changing our recording schedule because uh, Keegan had mentioned he's working again. And it looks like I'm going to be back to work um, early, mid-July, maybe sooner. Oh, that's good. Uh, so we're going to be recording on weekends now. Um, so hopefully that doesn't uh, mess up your listening schedule all that much. But yeah, moving forward, we're going to be recording on weekends every other week. Um, as always, we'll beg you and implore you, if you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And, and share um, us and share us with your friends please let us please let everybody you know that listens to podcasts know about us if you like the show pass pass it along to everyone you know um the more listeners we get the more we can justify um you know spending on some hardware to make things sound better we can uh 
upgrade our hosting package. So maybe we can do weekly episodes instead of just every other week. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot more we can do if we start getting more listeners. So by all means, please rate and review on Apple podcasts on Spotify, just smash the subscribe button. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is at J small one, seven, seven, one. Uh, mine is uh, little little. That's L I L underscore L I T T L E twenty eight. And you can right. follow the pod on Instagram and Twitter at Little Hockey Pod. Until next time, catch you later. See you guys. What a finish!